Well, Frank, it's a uh, it's a, another semifinal weekend coming up, and you know, a lot of for a long time there's always these complaints. Oh, it's always the same old teams. It's the same. It's Mount Union. It's Mary Harden Baylor. I mean, we finally get something different, but. The one thing that never change is people saying that the East region teams got the easiest way into the Final Four. I mean, really? Wait, wait. wait. Who, who it, said it this time? Oh, it's our friend Logan Hansen of the uh, you know Hansen ratings. Who, for some reason, his statistical model just hates uh, hates teams east of Ohio, <laughs> and, and for some reason, these historical lookbacks they just I mean, hey, I get it. You look on one side of the bracket and you have two teams that have played 128 playoff games over however many uh, decades. And then on the other side, you've got uh, two teams, one from the Midwest, actually, uh, and one from Pennsylvania that have combined for 40 playoff games. So we get it. There's a difference. But to, to say that, ah, I just... Well, uh, here, let's let's uh, read along here. Uh, with the D3FB semis coming Saturday, here's a reminder of where things sat going into the first round. An average playoff team would be more than 10 times as likely to have gotten this far from Muhlenberg's slot than any from the slot of the other semi-finalists. Okay, there, there's a lot to unpack there, if I can even unpack the grammar uh, related to that, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll try. What are you going to do? Uh, so I, what he's trying to say is that Salisbury and uh, the East teams kind of suck. Okay, that's pretty much what's in there. That's just what his model is saying. Here's the problem. Let's look at DelVal versus North Central. The fact that DelVal performed better than Mount Union did against North Central, technically, uh, in terms of uh, yeah. defense and keeping score down. Uh, maybe not offensively, but I, I think defense means a lot at the end of the day, or should. Mm -hmm. uh, Del Val lost to Muhlenberg last year in the first round, uh, if you remember correctly, with some of the same cast on both sides. Uh, new quarterback for Del Val, obviously. But I, I don't see where you get the notion when uh, teams from the West came over and went 1-2 and two on that one weekend in particular back when, when uh, Oshkosh lost to Salisbury. So if Oshkosh loses to Salisbury and Salisbury loses to Muhlenberg, then I don't understand how you're going to make that determination or what the numbers are going to prove in that respect. Sometimes, folks, these, these two things right here are what you need to really measure. And this, in terms of a little bit of the syllogism scenarios that while they don't work all the time, they do work sometimes. So, Logan, we appreciate what you do with your stats and your formulas and whatnot. That oh, said, yeah. you're full of crap this time, buddy. We like you, <laughs> but you're full of crap. That's all we can say. And so let's go into our semifinal preview show here on In the Huddle.
Did, did I uh, represent the East well with uh, my last statement there before the uh, intro? Yeah, you know, hey, it's it's one of those things. You know, we we've always kind of agreed to disagree on certain on certain points, and um, certainly the last couple of seasons, the Centennial Conference has proved itself to be on par with all these. I mean, like you said, if if the second place, well, technically the Pool A team from the WIAC got smoked by Salisbury in Week Two. I know the final score was five points differential, but it was twenty-four to nothing when the third stringers were in there. The Titans were smoked by that Salisbury team. You can't tell me that, I mean, yeah, maybe over a 20-year time period, the WIAC is, has been stronger than most of the East region, uh, you know, overall, sure. But the, the, that gap um, has really narrowed a lot. The fact that we're not seeing teams named, you know, Mary Harden-Baylor and Mount Union in the finals says a lot about what's going on in D3 football. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the Mules have to prove it against a, a North Central team, which I said in our last show, kind of ironically, they're, they're the highest-ranked team in the tournament. They're the only undefeated team in the tournament. And they're the home team. And yet there's going to be guys out there like Hanson who are probably going to pick uh, North Central to beat them by 14 or 21 points when they've only allowed a touchdown over three playoff games against them. You know, yeah, is, is MIT on the same par as uh, Central? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, they, they're still a conference champ. I mean – who knows, man? I'm just—it's one of those things. It's, I just—it it well, well, it's not crazy. just that though. It's not just that there were easy teams across the board. Uh, okay, SUNY Maritime by all rights belonged to the Mount Union bracket. I still think, and it could have traveled there, but because it would have been a second round travel risk, they didn't let them go there. You know what? NCAA should pay for the flight if uh, it's some eighteen—the uh, number eight team in a uh, bracket that's really the number thirty-two team in the entire thing can beat the number one team in the entire thing when the bracket comes out. You know what? Pony up the money for the flight at that point, NCAA. I get what they're trying to avoid doing and everything else, and we know it better now than we did coming into the year. But that said. The games since the first round, the first round is a throwaway. It always is a throwaway, okay? It's, it, the teams are like this in most of the uh, brackets, except for a couple, like the four or fives that do exist. And then the second and third rounds are what matter, and North Central, by all means, had the worst draw by having Mount Union in the second round. Guess what? They got through them, and then Del Val does well against them. So it begins to make you ask the question, which we do here, and we're going to ask again most likely in this show, was Mount Union playing at full strength and full capacity, or was their easy schedule, quote-unquote, according to many people, what kept them down all season, ultimately, from recognizing their full potential when it got to a team like North Central? These are the things that formulas can't take into consideration, but humans like you and I can. It doesn't mean we're going to be right, see Endicott versus Becker for uh, details, but... <laughs> Anyway, let's get to the tail of the tape. We have interviews from all four teams. We actually got this to happen this year. Uh, probably thanks that one of them wasn't my union, I'm guessing, uh, because that would have been almost impossible uh, with our track record with them. But nonetheless, uh, we did get it. So we're going to go through the tail of the tape, look at who each team beat, in deference to Logan, and uh, then come back and get your opinion on uh, how this game should play out and who you're picking and who I'm picking because this is also our uh, lightning prediction uh, show essentially being uh, melted into this because there's only two games. Double down. Yeah, right. So let's start. Uh, you want to go uh, west or east first? I'm going to give you the option on this one. I think, you know, we're, uh, let's do the, we'll do the, 
the the left side first because uh, um, I, you know the Johnnies and 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 the Warhawks are a, a great matchup between you know longtime Division three blue blooded programs. Um, you know these these kind of schools wouldn't and can't exist in the East region. Let's put it that way. And there are reasons why they have been so dominant over the years. In and um, you know once again when you look at the the statistics, I mean. The, the, both of these teams are just awesome. I mean, the, the, the offensive numbers for St. John's are through the roof. Um, the balance of Whitewater's is, is really apparent. I mean, they almost have identical passing and rushing numbers. I mean, they're before just two great here, teams. Before you rush into that, let, let's go in a certain order here. Let's first look at how they got here. Uh, in the case of Whitewater, they beat Monmouth 35-10 to 10 in the first round. Then they beat Wartburg uh, by a score of 41-28. to 28. And then last week, obviously, uh, what was a shock to a lot of people in terms of at least the score distance, uh, they beat Mary Harden Baylor, the defending national champs, 26-7. to They were the presumed number two seed uh, in their bracket, and that's why they're hosting St. John's, who probably is more a three or a four seed where they landed in their bracket. St. John's beat mm -hmm. Aurora barely, 51-47. to St. John's, 55-26. to uh, St. John, excuse me, Chapman, uh, 55-26, St. John's beat. And then they beat Wheaton, 34-33. to You know what happened, the missed extra point. So now let's look at the tail of the tape between these two teams, both st uh, standing at 12-1. and St. John's offense is a plus 149 in terms of yardage per game. But the defense of Whitewater is a minus 21, or excuse me, minus 19. Uh, good math, Frank. Mm -hmm. Now... <laughs> That's interesting, and you begin to th ask yourself, you know, are the teams that they're playing passing the same eye test at the end of the day? You've got the WIAC and the MIAC, which are both good conferences. And so, Great. you know, Great. on paper, this looks like an easy St. John's scenario with Jackson Ehrman having those 46 passing touchdowns against nine interceptions, and Max Myler with nine passing touchdowns, three rushing, and five interceptions. Uh, the turnover margin for the team, so almost identical, plus nine, plus eight, uh, just barely in St. John's favor. And the uh, you know average score distance, point differential, is uh, almost 10 <coughs> whole points. Excuse me, I'm getting all choked up about this. Uh, 10 whole points <laughs> in the favor of St. John's. So, you know, this, again, looks like St. John's type of game, but their defense really does have to show up in this situation. Uh, that's what's really been kind of vexing them at the moments uh, that they needed a defense to show up. They have to end the Aurora game to uh, essentially, you know, at least keep pace with Wheaton uh, down the uh, stretch there and in the Chapman game down the stretch. But mm -hmm. let's talk about uh, defense in St. John's with Richard Caravo. Uh, he is a linebacker for them. Great conversation we have with him. And here it is. Richard, thanks for joining us. First off, congratulations on the season. Uh, but, you know, it, it, the postseason was a little bit in question for a little bit there. Uh, let's go back a little bit. Uh, obviously, the loss earlier in the season was a turning point moment, I think, for St. John's. Uh, tell me how right or wrong I am about that and how it may have actually built this team for a playoff run to the degree that you guys are experiencing right now. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct, Like. Um, I mean, since our loss to Mayor and Baylor, you know, uh, we kind of rolled through the season last year and then this year. Um, but with that uh, loss, it kind of uh, humbled us a little bit. And uh, 
made us really think about uh, what we're working for um, and uh, how special um, our team is right now. Um, and so it kind of make us, you know, buckle down and, and really focus on what our, uh, what our goals really, so. Take us through a little bit of the roller coaster ride from, from Saturday. Cause you know, you guys were, um, you were up and then Wheaton comes back. Um, they score that, that touchdown. I don't know if you were on the, on the field for the, the, uh, extra point attempt, um, which was interesting <laughs> to say the least, but um, yeah. kind of walk us through the you know, the kind of the, the lows and then the high of like, oh my gosh, we just we did it. I mean, you it was it was uh, you, you had a nice lead at the half, but you knew that the Thunder were going to come back. They they did a little bit, but at the end, you guys made the the last play. I mean, take us through that whole crazy roller coaster ride of a of a game there. Yeah, uh, we knew we knew they were going to be the best team. Um, we've played um, obviously this far in the playoffs. Um, that that's plays true, um, and yeah, we we came in halftime um, very pleased with our performance so far as a defense. Uh, and but we knew that they were going to come back. They're a very good team. Um, they they ground and pound it, and uh, we kind of uh, kind of caught our little mistakes that we made in the second half. Um, came back strong. And uh, we were kind of losing a little momentum there, um, but we stuck together. Um, and then when it came down to the PAT attempts, uh, man, I, I couldn't tell you how I felt when uh, first the first one goes, misses, but then uh, comes back because of the rough in the kicker. Um, and then the second one goes wide right, you know, the other one went wide left. So it's like, what are the odds of that happening? And uh, uh, very blessed and very yeah. thankful that we came out with that win. Did uh did your team uh you know reach out to the uh the lineman that basically ran on the touchdown and got uh, flagged for uh the unsportsmanlike conduct? Uh, I, obviously, the, for all the victory that occurs, there's got to be kind of a sympathy feeling there because you know how many times has he run in a touchdown and you know had to tell himself restrain himself uh, from spiking the ball. We all know it's the rule. We all know it's a when it's done, it's got to be an automatic flag. We get that, and we're not going to dispute that, and nobody else should be. But was there any kind of uh, reach out by the team to sort of say, hey, it happens and you're a great player or anything like that? Um, I don't know so much about – I think there's a guy, um, our nose um, tackle, J.W. Windsor, who might have messaged him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, after the game, we kind of all, you know, went through the game and, was, you know, felt sympathy for him and because he played his heart out. Um, he's definitely the best lineman that they had, um, in my opinion. Um and he had so much passion for the game, and it kind of cost him in the end. Um, but I don't know if uh, exactly the coaches reached out or not. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, we all kind of felt the same way, though, after the game, for sure. It's a game of football, for sure, here. And so uh, these things happen, uh, the highs, the lows, and everything else. Uh, if you're not ready for it, you're not going to uh, put on that helmet, or you shouldn't uh, at the end of the day, because it comes with the territory, uh, you know, and the pluses and the minuses. Let's uh, look, though, at... You know what's coming up here uh you know jackson erdman has been a special uh quarterback for your team obviously you practice against him all the time tell us what he means as a senior you've seen you know more than just jackson erdman uh, in the practice rounds obviously uh you know over there at st john's what is he added what what is he in terms of that force of a quarterback 
that makes him and your team so special right now? Oh man, it's it's such a it's such a big question because uh, there's so many good things I could say about the guy. Um, I think the the ability for him to lead is just uh, is unmatched um, throughout our team, um, and that ability makes um, the players kind of motivated to do their part. Um, and the guy's a playmaker, so um, when we need him, he pulls through all the time, um, and it kind of just brings up the whole team. Um, for that morale aspect. Um, and, uh, you know, he has a great relationship with every guy on the team. Um, and so we kind of just all look up to him as our as our savior, I, I should say. <laughs> yeah, St. Jackson. Um, but so our friends from the Around the Nation podcast, Pat and Keith, uh, recently had a discussion around this term, which appears to be definitely happening this season, this Johnny magic. And what what exactly to you, Richard, is the Johnny Magic? Is it the the two missed PATs? Is it just you know the um, eighty some tackles that you've been able to make uh, throughout the course of the season? Is it a couple of um, you know, great plays here or there, or is it just is it more of just a feeling that the team has right now? Um, you know, getting these wins, you know, being in position now, you're one game away from this from a national championship. Is there some Johnny Magic happening? Do you think uh, up there in Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a mix of magic and uh, I think hard work that's being paid off by all of us guys on the team here. Um, but uh, I think in every sport, um, luck plays a luck and magic. I suppose it uh, plays a, plays a role as well. Um, I guess the Johnny Magic in my my sense would be uh, John Glardy, who passed away a couple of years ago, is uh, looking down at us uh, and giving us that uh, kind of magic for us and uh very blessed um to have the supporters that we have um i think at the game last week i heard there was over twenty thousand um viewers and uh that's just uh incredible to me that the you know alumni are looking out for us and uh supporting us all the way through so uh, i would say yeah that's the johnny magic way I, I can tell you that d3football.com, uh, including me, uh, that they uh, accounted for about six of those viewers alone because uh, at the end of that game, we were all messaging back and forth. Uh, but the Johnny Magic is definitely alive. I started my tenure um, at Stag Bowl on the sideline uh, a number of years ago. I think this is my 13th Stag Bowl on the sideline. But it was Whitewater and Mount Union for a number of years. And there's Whitewater again. All of a sudden, uh, after everybody kind of leaves them for dead uh, out there, Whitewater's right back in the mix in the semis here. And it's a team that St. John's, although there's a lot of chatter about, hey, old friends, how you doing? Uh, they really are old friends. You haven't faced them since 2008, I believe, uh, was the last time, uh, if uh, our stats are correct on this. You've seen the film. You've seen kind of this pound-the-rock mentality. But, uh, you know, the new quarterback, Max Mailer, has been an interesting force for them, especially in that Mary Harden-Baylor game. How does this team look to you on film, and how do you beat them? Yeah, uh, like you said, they're a ground-and-pound team. Um, they're going to test our defense and see if uh, we can hold up against their their run um, aspect. Uh, they're going to probably do some things like they did against Mayhar and Baylor as well um, with the RPO. Um, they can see that that has worked uh, with Wheaton as well. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, they're going to stick to their guns and, and try to ground and pound it. And uh, I think that plays into our strengths. Um, uh, we definitely are 
our defense is definitely predicated on the run. Um, and so it's going to be, it's going to be a dog fight to say the least. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know that in, um, in the Mayak, you guys, you know, face some, some pretty strong and big teams, but I have to imagine, I mean, even, even for, you know, even for me and I, you know, I go watch, uh, you know, NFL games on Sundays. I mean, there's some guys on that, uh, that offensive line for Whitewater that must be some of the biggest division three players out there. I mean, um, and so, you know, for you as a linebacker, when you're, you know, having this, you know, this triage of, of running backs coming at you, is, is part of the strategy here to just to try to um, is a swarm to the ball, maybe, you know, punch the ball out, try to force turnovers or something like that to, to make an extra play? Or is it really just, a, you know, we'll, we'll give a, you know, a yard or two here or there. Or we'll just try to, you know, keep blitzing, doing different things to get in the backfield to disrupt their timing. I mean, because, you know, the, the, the best way you beat a big guy is just, you know, just be faster and get around them or something, I guess. But for, for you as a player, I mean, what, what, what do you look at it from, from this as far as the biggest challenge aspect? Yeah, uh, they definitely have uh, some of the biggest guys I've seen yet. Um, and uh, looking at uh, 77, he seems like uh, the biggest and uh, probably the meanest. Um, and he's on my side of the ball, so I'll be going up against him. Um, there you go. And I'm, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to do that for sure. I'm up, I'm up for the challenge. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, the least amount of contact with those guys. Um, because that's their strength is they, they want the contact and, and you know, they want to push us, um, move the ball a little bit. Um, but uh, I think uh, the biggest thing in my head is uh, our coach, um, Dumanso, um, D lineman coach, he always says, you know, um, give a little to gain a lot. So um, we'll give up a little yards, but uh, in the, in the end, uh, I think um, the turnovers um, will, will give it uh, back the ball back to Jackson and he can make some plays for us as well. What would it mean for you personally as a senior to get to Shenandoah, Texas for the Stag Bowl this year? Obviously, your team has not made it uh, that far. Uh, and uh, the team itself, uh, the Johnny's team, has been, what, about 15 years or so uh, since they have uh, visited the Stag Bowl. So what would it mean for you to be in a senior class that helps return the team to the Stag Bowl after that long of a pause? Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's kind of like it would be a speechless moment, I guess. Um, you know, all the hard work that we went through, uh, the challenges in the past that we've gone through, the all the all the time and work that the coaches have put into this program, um, it would uh, mean everything. And for the guys in the past who didn't get the chance or uh, just kind of honoring those guys in the past would uh, be the biggest thing in my mindset. Um, and it would just be kind of a, I guess, uh, an award, uh, so to speak, to to be down there in Texas, and a, and a blessing to kind of show off uh, what we can do. So, well, Richard, uh, you guys are just on, on the doorstep of it. Go ahead, JB. Well, I was just going to say, Richard. I mean, other than you know, other than football, I mean, you're this is you know you're coming up on your senior year. Um, I don't know if you're one of those seniors that has an extra year of eligibility. We've had a couple of those on the show, but if, if this is if this yeah, is it. What uh, what are some plans that you might have for for after graduation? Are you gonna stick with football? Maybe get into coaching, or is there something that you've been pursuing academically that you're gonna uh, you know maybe get a job in downtown Minneapolis or St. Paul or something there in the Twin Cities? Uh, yeah, I actually um, I'm going into or uh, trying to go into law enforcement, so I'm um, trying to achieve some goals there, and uh, 
Um, I'm pretty far in the process and uh, actually Madison, Wisconsin, um, their department there had a couple connections. So um, that's really exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see where, if anything else takes me, um, you know, towards that path. Uh, if not, uh, coaching has always been a dear thing to my heart. So we'll see what happens there for sure. Football, just, it can't leave my, can't leave my life. That's for sure. See, yeah. you know, in this interview, he comes across as this really nice guy, but I know in the football field, he's a little bit of a beast out there. So law enforcement may fit the uh, profile a little bit, Richard. Yeah. I'm seeing this now. Yep. I, I, I yeah. see the picture, uh, uh, you know, your roster picture and everything, you know, the hair going wild and everything in that picture. So, Oh, you're on to me now, huh? You're on to me. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, listen. Uh, I, you may not uh, watch our show much since we normally do East Region during the season, but obviously in the playoffs we spread out a little bit. And uh, the one thing we offer our player guests always is shout-outs to any family, friends, teammates, uh, anybody that might be watching. So, Richard, I, I want to make sure we're getting it right. Caravo, correct? Caravo, yep. Wow, that's we impressive. Should've... Well, uh, <laughs> trust me, it is when I get it right. <laughs> Richard Caravo, it is your shout-outs. Uh, I'd love to give shout-outs to my, uh, my parents, obviously, uh, my sister in North Carolina, uh, my grandparents who always come to the game and support me, as long as my, as well as my, uh, my aunt and uncle, um, Dan and Georgette, um, and the rest of my family who continues to support me, and all the Johnny fans who continue to support us um, throughout our journey. We appreciate it and love you all. Well, when they draw uh, tens of thousands of people uh, to the Johnny's Tommy's uh, game or Tommy's Johnny's game, uh, I guess we have to flip it back, uh, depending on who wins and all that stuff. Actually, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's always it's always tough, uh, you know, talking about that game and uh, what it means. And maybe someday uh, we'll have you back on to talk about that. Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan hit that one pretty hard. Uh, but, you know, the Johnny's are a team that, I've had loose connection with through the Glory Trophy uh, over the last uh, 12 years and whatnot. And I've always wondered, when are we going to get a chance to see them in Texas? Well, here's the chance. We'll see what happens. And we want to wish you the best of luck. You seem like a great guy uh, from our interview here. And uh, Ryan uh, Klinkner, uh, Klinkner speaks uh, volumes about you uh, to us. So uh, good luck to you this weekend. We can't pick sides, but we do want to wish you luck. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That was Richard Caravo, who's going to have to try to get to Max Myler, the Wisconsin Whitewater quarterback. Uh, you know, a lot of people, including us, didn't really fully understand where he came from uh, ultimately this year. Yeah. We heard a lot about, oh, first start in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, you look back and you're like, wait, it, this doesn't make sense. He's listed as a junior. And so... We talked to him about exactly where did he come from and everything else that you need to know about this upcoming St. John's game. JB, uh, a lot of people I want to get to know uh, this man here. First thing we're going to do, Max, because everybody seems to have a different pronunciation of your last name. And for goodness sake, you've earned the ability to be called the right name. Go ahead, pronounce <laughs> your last name for everybody in this country. It is Myler, Max Myler. A lot of, so, uh, even the announcement at Whitewater's. Taylor here and there, but it's Myler. So it's like M I L E R okay. if we were doing a phonetic spelling of it, Myler. Yeah, absolutely. Myler. Okay, Max Myler. Where the heck did you come from, my friend? Because we we had no idea who you were uh, coming into this season. And that's not to say that you didn't have a good high school career and everything else. But I mean, you 
did have some experience early on in the season. And what a lot of people don't seem to realize about you is that there's been a progression with you throughout the season. That I think it was the St. Xavier game you uh, had uh, most of the snaps, if not uh, almost everything uh, in that game earlier in the season. Then you kind of got relegated back to the second string, it seemed like. And then you come back in, especially in the playoffs, Mammoth game, etc., and you've been on fire. What has your progression been? And, you know, have you been fighting for the job every week? What's been the story for you as we've uh, gone along here? Yeah, so I transferred in last uh, semester. Um, it'd be the spring, so for spring ball. Um, there was about six, seven courts. Uh, me and Zach Olis, we, we kind of took the took the rank with the two top guys. Um, start of the year, he, he earned the spot. He deserved it. Um, he had some injuries, um, and then effectively it just didn't work out. And then I got the call first week playoffs, and uh, ever since we've been just rolling. So it's been it's been really fun. Yeah, tell us a little bit about how fun it was uh, last Saturday down in Texas. Other than the fact that it was probably a little bit warmer um, than it is right now in Wisconsin, <laughs> uh, but. You guys seem to, you know, you, you had a game plan that was going to be to, to, to run the ball and to try to keep um, you know, the crew offense on the sidelines, and you did that pretty successfully. I mean, it must be nice having, you know, with like three different running backs you can just hand the ball off to and, and uh, get the job done behind that big offensive line you got. Yeah, game plan was uh, basically bully the bully. Uh, we went in there thinking we're pretty tough guys, and uh, we knew – they're big up front, they're long, and the secondary. And really what it came down to is we were more physical up front. And Alex Pete, Ronnie Ponick, and, uh, yeah, we were just running the ball as hard as we've ever had. Uh, so, and Jared Ware had two touchdowns, I believe. So you get the three-headed monsters back there, and uh, we're, we're rolling. Yeah, Jared Ware was uh, something uh, to watch out there. He just wouldn't be taken down in a few of those plays. He was incredible. Around halftime, though, things were getting a little interesting because you guys outplayed Mary Harden Baylor by all you know rights in that first half, and yet Tevin Jones uh, tips. It looked like he almost tipped the uh, pass to himself. Can't tell if somebody else tipped it to him, but Tevin ends up with the ball. What were you saying to yourself and to your team uh, at that point? Because okay, it's ten to seven at halftime, so it's still a close game. But they could have almost gone in to tie it or to take the lead on what ends up being kind of a freakish play at the end of the first half. Luckily, your defense stepped up, but. Did that kind of get you guys almost out of your own heads thinking, oh, boy, we're doing so great, and be like, oh, my goodness, we're on the ropes a little bit suddenly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first half, I'm sure we had easily 100 yards rushing and um, got a tough call on that slant route. He popped it up, and uh, number five, their linebacker, um, you know, caught it. So we were a little – I was a little nervous because, you know, that was around the 50-yard line, and – Luckily, and uh, while well, our defense was stellar in that uh, next uh, series, yeah. Jordan Brand, I think, had a couple sacks, and uh, they they got my back, and I was I was so stoked knowing that I think they went back like twenty yards. They didn't even get a single yard. So, no, yeah, it was, it was all going backwards. It was a pretty impressive, uh, yeah. pretty impressive performance. But one of the one of the things that that I kind of learned a little bit about this game from. Um, our friend Keith McMillan on the Around the Nation podcast was 
there are a lot of guys from Whitewater who were remembering last year's game uh, where the Warhawks came up a little bit short against UMHB. You know, you being you know, transferred in didn't play in that game last season, but what were some of the other, um, you know, upperclassmen, you know, other juniors and seniors who might have been in that game last season kind of talking to you, I guess, newer guys about, you know, what it meant uh, to go down and, and finally take one away from the crew? Yeah, crew, uh, the MHB, they're, they're a tough team. And um, playing in that stadium is even tougher. That was probably one of the most fun games I've ever played in. So just handling their fans, handling, you know, their athletes was, was tough for them. But, um, you know, playing them, getting, a, getting all that film from last year, seeing what they do, um, just made us hungrier. Um, I know the O-line, they were just – all week just talked about mashing them up front and uh we did just that so indeed <laughs> i mean i i the time of possession i've never seen a playoff game that imbalanced in time uh, time of possession and the or question i guess i have for you here right yeah the question i have for you here becomes this without giving away the, the house secrets you got a jackson erdman uh, character uh, coming up uh, in this uh, st john's game coming up who is, you know, probably a better quarterback than Jace Hammock is. Uh, your defense yeah. is going to have a challenge there. So is the offense going to be relied on for the same basic idea, which uh, the bully, the bully mentality that you guys employed against UMHB? Give us, give us I guess, some, kind of an outline here without giving us specifics uh, so that Coach Bullis doesn't call me up and say, Frank, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, really, we, we went in that game not thinking about time and possession. Uh, we just wanted to run the ball effectively, and this game, I'm sure, will be we'll, we'll have a balanced attack. I'm sure, um, but you know, take, getting him uh, Jackson off the field, that offense, very good. Uh, if we just keep him off the field, that'd be great. Makes the game a little easier. But you know, it's a game. You never know what happens. Uh, turnovers. Uh, you know, we never know. So just we play our game. Uh, we pound the rock. That's our mentality. So. What's the uh, what's what's the weather up there like at Whitewater right now? Is there gonna be uh, is there gonna be any white stuff on the ground for uh, for kickoff on Saturday? I mean, how cold? You know, I'm down here in Florida where it's you know still pretty toasty, but yeah, yeah. I mean, how uh, what what's the weather like? And, and and I mean, it's probably not gonna affect the Johnnies because they're from Minnesota. It's the same kind of deal. But I mean, we're gonna see uh, you know some snow on the field on Saturday. Or what do you think? Yeah. So. Tuesday, yesterday, and today it was snow, but it was like 15 degrees at practice. So, little little wind chill. The hands were a little cold the past two days. Still are, um, <laughs> but I believe Saturday it's supposed to be a little warmer. Uh, but for sure, there's supposed to be snow. So that'll be uh, that'll be fun. I haven't been in a snow game in a yeah. while. Yeah. What is your background for folks, though? I mean, uh, where did you come from ultimately, and why did you end up at Whitewater? What was uh, the pull there? Was it Coach Bullis? Was it somebody else? It gives kind of your background story for those that might not know it. Yeah, so I grew up in Mount Horror, Wisconsin, about hour west of Whitewater. So I've always, I always knew about their culture. Um, I got a football scholarship and basketball scholarship at Lindenwood University, so I was a dual sport there. Um, really took a toll from being in season from August to March, so I gave up basketball and then um, wasn't getting the opportunities I wanted on the football field, so I came back home 
and uh, one of the best choices I've made. Just seeing my uh, friends and family, they haven't seen me play since, you know, high school ball. So I'm really thankful that I came back uh, here in Whitewater. Yeah, when I read, you were like you finished in the, like the top six of uh, in Wisconsin high school history in passing. So I'm sure Coach Bullis was pretty happy when you uh, signed up to to join the join the Warhawks uh, last spring. Yeah, he, he gave me a call right when I told Coach Jennings that I was coming, and uh, he was he was pretty stoked. That's awesome. Yeah, well, Max, you know, uh, th this is around the time of the show. I, I'm not sure if you've seen this before, but uh, we always let our uh, student-athlete guests uh, have the final word by giving shout-outs uh, to any family, friends, teammates, anybody that might be watching. Uh, you know, it, this will be coming out on Thursday night, so it's going to have a whole day and a half before football gets played. So make sure you don't forget anybody because you don't want to hear about that on Saturday. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, you're in a huddle show and you didn't say hello to us. So go ahead with your shout-outs. Yeah. Max Myler. Uh, I want to thank my parents, Joan and Dave Myler, uh, my sisters. Uh, they travel all the way down to, uh, I mean, Texas and Belton to see me play. Uh, they were only there for about 24 hours, but it was all worth it. Uh, I want to thank my old line, um, even the backup old line. You know, they, I've been, I was a second string for a long period of the time, uh, football years, so I'm real tight with those guys as well. Um, yeah. Can't thank enough. So there's so many people, but I, they know who they are. I'll give them a shout-out when I see them Saturday. Max, I, can I give a shout-out to the rest of the WIAC for the simple reason uh, they're going to have to deal with you uh, for another season, most likely, uh, no matter what happens this year. And yeah. I think that having seen what you're capable of the last few weeks, especially in the playoffs, uh, there there can't be many happy WIAC coaches out there to see that Whitewater is back in, in a big way, and thanks in part, or in large part, to you, Pound the Rock, uh, we've talked about it for so many years. I was at the first Stag Bowl, Whitewater won on the sideline, uh, Pierre Garcon's senior year back when. So I, I've oh, gotten yeah. to see Whitewater, yep, up close and personal uh, over these uh, years. And uh, it's always good to see you guys back in the mix. So good luck this weekend. I might see you in Shenandoah next weekend, depending on the result. Good luck to you, sir. Yeah, perfect. Pound the Rock. Thanks, guys. That was Max Myler from University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Okay, you've seen the tail of the tape. We'll put it back on the screen here for a moment while you begin to tell folks what you see here and who you're picking and what, by what score. Here we go. Well, yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. Um, from the standpoint, I think uh, Whitewater has the ability to drag the game out, but they could win the time of possession in this game and still lose based on the fact that Erdman can throw the ball so well. You look at the tail of the tape, the 220 passing yards per game allowed by the defense is, uh, you know, it's it's enough for, for Erdman to hang into in there in a squeaker. Um, I think the Johnnies will probably uh, pull it out at the, at the end, um, but it's going to be a lower scoring game, like a 27-21. Uh, I just feel like when I've, I picked against the Johnnies. I've always regretted it <laughs> after the fact. It was like, oh, man, how did I see this? And the way Erdman's playing, um, I just – I don't know. I mean, it would, it would take a it – will, it will take a, an offensive effort similar to what they, they had against the crew. I just don't know, however, if this offense, which is so balanced, can really 
you know, get into what will probably be a shootout type of game plan. I mean, St. John's proved that they could win a game with negative rushing yards, and Urban threw for over 400, and that was ultimately the difference. So, um, if I have to, if I am forced to choose here, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Erdman, who's a little more experienced, and he's uh, he's winning these close games, and they seem like a team of, of sort of destinies, so to speak, heading into the stag. And what was your final again? 27-21. Okay. Uh, Whitewater has proven that they can stop a shootout from developing, though. Uh, see the Mary Harden-Baylor yeah. game last week. But I am in agreement with you that I think St. John's has a slight edge here uh, with Erdman, uh, you know, being who he is. They're going to need to get the rushing game, though, active somewhat. And that's going to be tough to get through the Whitewater defense on the ground in that way. So the 150 average, they have to at least make that average, if not surpass it, I think, St. John's to win this game. I think it's going to be relatively, compared to most uh, St. John's games, low scoring, but not low enough for Wisconsin Whitewater to win it, is my idea. 28-24 in favor of St. John's in this game. So we agree on that one. Now, the question is, do we agree on the next one? North Central at Muhlenberg. Let's talk about how these teams got here. Again, Muhlenberg playing essentially from the number two seed in the upper right-hand bracket. Had beaten MIT 38-0. Had beaten Brockport 42-0. And then beats Salisbury 24-8. They've given up only eight points in three playoff games. That's kind of a much different story than what we see in the North Central side of things, at least in the second game. We'll talk about it in a moment. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> first, they beat Wabash 51-15, to although it took a little while to separate from Wabash in that game. Then they beat Mountain Union 59-52, and then beat Delaware Valley 31-14. to They played essentially from the number three seed, we think, or thereabouts, in the lower right-hand bracket. That is why they're traveling to Muhlenberg. So let's look at the tail of the tape. Muhlenberg is the only team remaining that is undefeated uh, in these playoffs. North Central, 12-1. Muhlenberg, 13-0. North Central has a decided advantage in the offensive numbers. Uh, 140 yards to their advantage there. And the balance is basically three-fifths, two-fifths uh, in favor of the pass, whereas a uh, little less balance, uh, more toward the pass, actually, uh, percentage-wise for Muhlenberg, believe it or not. Defense is a minus 52 in the favor of Muhlenberg uh, in terms of yards. Look at these uh, quarterbacks' numbers, though. You, for all the, the thought that Brock Rudder would be far and away the better of the two quarterbacks on paper, Rudder, 49 passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, four interceptions. Nakowski, 45 passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, four interceptions. Almost identical, although Brock Rudder stands a chance to go over 50 passing touchdowns on Saturday, obviously. Turnover margin, identical. Plus 11 on both sides. A plus 5.8 point differential in the advantage of North Central when it comes to point differential. Well, now. A lot of people would not have expected to see some of the parity on this sheet that exists, mm -hmm. although they might downplay it as, oh, it's just against East teams, which is not true. It's against South teams uh, when it's Muhlenberg, folks. Don't forget that fact. Uh, so let's talk to some players. Uh, first, Brock Rudder. Uh, we have him here, and I uh, learned earlier today that uh, he is a Gilardi Trophy finalist. We'll see how it goes for him. Congratulations uh, to uh, Brock Rudder. 
but uh, we talked to him about your misspelling of his name. Actually, no, we, we talked about that afterward. But we, uh, <laughs> yeah, two T's, not two D's. We got that right now. But no, uh, great talking to him about just uh, North Central, about his history. He, too, was a transfer, like Myler. Uh, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just how Del Val was and how they're going to face a team like Muhlenberg. Here you go. Brock, I guess the first question, I know we're two weeks removed from it and, uh, you know, nothing against Del Val because uh, we're going to talk about that game too, but have have you sort of, you know, fully digested what this playoff run, including the uh, win at Mount Union, has really meant here or how, how this has happened? Or is this still kind of a surreal moment or two or three for you right now? Yeah, I think it's still kind of surreal. You know, we're just living in the moment and taking it one game at a time. And we're we're blessed to have this opportunity and been able to be on this run. We were so blessed to be able to get in the tournament. So once we got in the tournament, we, we switched our mindset to let's go win this thing. We've had this goal since the beginning of the year, and we felt like we had the team to do it. Even after the loss to Wheaton, we still felt like we had a very talented team and a team that can make a run at it. So when we got in, we thought, hey, let's go do this thing. And we've been we've been playing our best football when it matters. And we're not done yet. We're not satisfied. We, we have bigger goals ahead of ourselves. And we're just enjoying the ride and taking it one game at a time. Speaking of Wheaton, were you guys surprised to see the the ending of that game? I mean, I imagine you were, you were busy playing, you know, your own game. But, uh, uh, you know, when you heard the news about how everything that transpired, was there was there a little party that was kind of hoping, hey, maybe we'll get these guys, you know, back in the stag bowl? Or is it just, you know, it is what it is? Yeah, that was a tough game for them. Two, two great teams. And we knew how talented Wheaton was. And... We were, we were really thinking if we can make a run at this thing, maybe we'll get another shot at them. But we're just worried about our side of the bracket and our own team. And Wheaton's a great program. They got they have obviously great players, and they beat us earlier in the year. And we felt like we matched up very well with them, and it was two great teams. So it would have been great for our conference for both of us to keep going. But we're worried about what we can control, and we're going to keep on going and keep pushing forward and try to represent our conference as well as we can. I can let you off the hook too fast with the loss, though, because uh, we were talking to St. John's uh, about this uh, a player earlier. Did you learn a lot from the loss, and were the lessons perhaps enough to help you guys achieve what you have since that loss to become better, to maximize your potential to this point? Yeah, I think uh, I think you could take a loss two different ways as a team. You could either come together as a team and and realize that you have a lot of stuff to improve on and that you got to work on, and or you could fall apart and hang your heads on that loss and take it hardly and not get better. But our team came together and made us closer. And every single day in practice since then, we've had one mission in mind, and that's to get better every single day and take it one day at a time. And I think we've done a great job of that. you got to give credit to everyone on our team and our coaches for sticking together and hanging in as one unit. We always say fight one more round, and we've done that every single day since that game. And we handled that loss really well, and it's, it's made us a lot better, I think. Yeah, I certainly think that it, it seems like you guys have, have learned from some of the adversity and, and you, you encountered a little bit of adversity in the second half of, of last Saturday's game uh, when the Aggies, uh, who, who looked like they might be in trouble, down 17 to nothing, uh, kind of came back and scored on you guys pretty quickly. What were you yeah. telling um, your offensive huddle you know, when, when you, know, you guys had a chance to, to, to respond to these uh, you know, 14 points? What we, was it just kind of, we'll stick to our game plan, we got this? Or you know, was it was there something else, an adjustment that you guys saw that, that helped you, you know, kind of take that next step and put that game away? 
Yeah, I think we kind of relaxed a little bit after halftime, and it's a great lesson. You you deal with some adversity all the time through football games, and it was great to see how we responded to that adversity. Our offense came together, and we said, hey, if we go out and score every single time, it's going to be hard for them to come back from this. And we had a little fluky play, had an interception, and they you got to give credit to Val. They went down and scored. They're a great team, so you got to expect that from them. But we went down on a nine-play drive, I think, and scored a touchdown, and that's, that's what you want to see coming off some adversity. That's huge for our team past couple of years, we've struggled with that. Teams getting momentum like that, we haven't responded very well. So I think it was great to see all of our leaders come together and say, hey, let's go do this thing. Let's learn from this and let's go out and respond and score another touchdown here. You're up uh, on the road next uh, to Muhlenberg, which is ironically another Pennsylvania team, even though the regions are different between the two teams that you're facing. Uh, Del Val is an East region team, Muhlenberg a South region team. Go figure that one out. I, we can't really, but it is what it is. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, here, here's the overall thought that uh, we've been running into because we've underestimated uh, the Centennial Conference ourselves here a little bit throughout the season. But these Pennsylvania colleges with their defenses seem to be extremely powerful things, especially right now, it seems like. You saw what Muhlenberg did against Salisbury. People call me crazy for suggesting that Salisbury would score 10 points. They only made eight points in the end in that game. <laughs> What do you see in that Muhlenberg defense that's especially similar to what you faced in the DelVal defense? What's different for that matter, and how do you beat a team like Muhlenberg in that situation? Yeah, I mean, you said it. They have a they have an outstanding defense. They have a great D coordinator. They're they're very disciplined. They have one of the best fronts, probably the best front we've seen all year. So that's going to be a great challenge for our offensive line. But you know, we've, we've said it all year, we want to be the best offense in the country, and we've played top three, top four defenses in the country, so we love it. We love the challenge, and we're excited to be able to go up and compare ourselves to the best defense, one of the best defenses in the country, and like I said, they're, they're a very disciplined, very well-coached defense. They tackle well. They play their scheme very well, so it's going to be a really fun challenge for us this week, and we're looking forward to it. I mean, this is what you want as a football player. It's the semifinals. You're going up against what people say is the best defense in the country, and we've seen it on film. We're ready. We're ready to go out and prove that we feel like we're the best offense in the country and one of the best teams, so we want to, we want to go out and prove it. Yeah, I mean, statistically, you're having probably one of the best uh, you know, quarterback seasons in, in, in D3. Um, you know, I don't know about history, but uh, regardless of how this weekend goes or maybe next Friday night, if you end up you know, playing in the Stag Bowl, um, has any pro scouts kind of been knocking around there in, in Naperville being like, hey, you know, maybe you can play at another level or are you just really trying to focus on wrapping up your senior year and, and then see where, where things go from there? Yeah, I mean, they have a little bit in last spring, and this year they've talked to our coach a little bit, but I'm not worried about that. I'm 100% I'm bought in on North Central College and finishing this playoff run and not going to settle for anything less than playing next Friday night and coming out victorious. So I'm, I'm loving my opportunity with this team here, with these coaches. We have a great bond here going, and I don't, I don't want this thing to end, so I want to keep this thing going for as long as I can. A little known fact, and uh, I saw this the other day. I didn't even realize this, uh, or I think I did a long time ago, and it's escaped my memory. But you were, I believe, an Indiana State uh, college student before you came over to North Central. Could you tell folks uh, the story of how you got to North Central and what you think of that decision at this point? I, I kind of think I know the answer to that, but put in your own words if you can. Yeah, I was at Indiana State for a year and had some really good friends from high school and that I've known, played football with my whole life, who were at North Central. And 
they had nothing but great things to say about the campus. And obviously, I'm from Naperville, so I've known about North Central for a while. But the coaches here, everyone had nothing but great things to say, and I couldn't be I couldn't be glad uh, more happy with my decision to come back and play in Naperville. It, at North Central College, it's more about football, and I've learned that over my time here. We're really building men of character and teaching the, teaching people how to go about their everyday life. And obviously, we're going to win some football games. So it's it's been an outstanding experience and the best decision I could have made, and it's been the best four years of my life. So I'm glad that I came here. Yeah, so uh, Brock, we, we sometimes we ask you know people who've had the opportunity to to, to sort of see you know the the outside of the division three world and then you know into the division three world what, what's sort of the the yd3 um either moment or thing for you that that's made uh you know this these past four years so great for you yeah i think like i said our coaches do such a great job of making this more about more than just football i mean we we talk about two times a week we have meetings where we don't even talk about football we just talk about relationships and the relationships we form and how to build off those relationships and how to move forward it's not about four years it's about the next 40 years teaching guys how to go about that and coach thorne coach spencer all these guys are such great people off the field and on the field and they teach us so many valuable lessons that you can't learn anywhere but a football field and in these classrooms where we we talk about life and not many football coaches out there will take the time we spend about an hour, two days a week talking about just life and different experiences through life and how to go about those and the love that this team has for each other. It shows on and off the field, and I think that's one of the biggest parts on why we're still playing this hit. Saw Coach Thorne's father uh, join you guys in the chant uh, at Mount Union, and um, that had to be a special moment. Obviously, uh, the younger Coach Thorne has been your coach through your time at North Central, but can you kind of take us through that moment? I, again, I, I know a lot of it is surreal and maybe not fully digested yet, but just that end of game situation and you know, what did Coach Thorne, younger and older, uh, say to you at that point after that win? Yeah, man, Coach, older Coach Thorne, his father, he's such a great guy. I've learned so much from him. He, he hasn't been our head coach, but he's been around the program so long and he's one of those guys that's just such a great person. You, you love to be around him and we couldn't have been more excited to get that opportunity and that win for both coaches, but older Coach Thorne set the foundation for this program. He set all the values and made it known from the beginning that this is we're going to build this thing through relationships, and that's going to help us win football games. So it was so great to see that, and for him to be able to experience that on the field with us at Mount Union was unlike anything else. It was awesome for him, and I know he'll be there this weekend, and we want to keep this thing going for their family and all they've done for this program since 1999 or whenever it was. They built this thing from the ground and look where it's at now because of them and because of the relationships they built. Well, Brock, we've uh, it's it's been great to to get to know you a little bit. We'll be uh, you know watching watching your game uh, for sure this weekend. I now officially know that Rudder is with two T's, not with two D's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I messed that up on a slide a couple of weeks ago. That was my bad. No uh, tricked me. Uh, but you are you are definitely a, you know, a great example for uh, for your program and your team, and we wish you the best of luck. And as sort of a, a um, you know, in the huddle tradition, uh, we like to give our player guests the opportunity to give shout outs to any friends, family, teammates, uh, coaches, high school, college, whatever <laughs> that are out there. Um, uh, so the floor is yours, Brock. 
Well, thank you guys for having me, first of all. But just shout out to all my teammates. You know, this they're what makes this thing so special and this ride so special. And if we get two more weeks together, I would I would love nothing more than that. Every every minute we get to spend together, we enjoy it. And it's been a great ride, and we're looking forward to continuing this thing. Brock, I will see you at Muhlenberg on Saturday, uh, and then we'll right. see if I'll see you uh, on the Friday following it. Uh, again, we keep saying to all the players uh, that we're talking to, coming into the season we didn't see it like this we didn't see this possibility for all these teams to still say that they're alive at this point you know we thought there would be a mary harden baylor somewhere and a mount union somewhere there's not and but at the same time there's north central muhlenberg the st john's and a whitewater whitewater may be the old standard uh or more most recent standard but to have these new teams involved and guys like you it's just such a great experience for us as well so great getting to talk with you see you this weekend and who knows what else Yep, thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me on the show and look forward to it. Really enjoyed our conversation with Brock Rutter. Again, uh, earlier today announced as a Glory Trophy finalist uh, by Pat Coleman and myself on D3Football.com. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to get away from that defense of Muhlenberg. And we have a twofer for you here. Uh, two guys we really enjoy talking to from Muhlenberg. We had Mickey Kober and Frank Lucchesi uh, on. And, you know, Frank, I don't think we've had many Franks on before. We were trying to figure this out. If we had any on in the last few years, I don't remember any, but maybe one at the most. So to have my namesake on, it's very special to me, Frank, especially ending an I on your last name. We had a lot of fun with these guys. Here. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> You'll see it right here. JB, uh, I'm, I'm noticing a trend here with some facial hair forming at uh, the Muhlenberg uh, Central. Uh, it, you know, we had Coach on last week. Coach Milne had a playoff beard going. Not sure it's the best look in the history of man for uh, any football coach out there, but he's doing it nonetheless. I see a little facial hair here uh, with Mickey and Frank. Guys, uh, first <laughs> off, congratulations on getting to the semifinals. Second off, uh, when are you shaving this stuff? Hopefully soon. I know after the uh, Brockport game, as soon as I walked out of the locker room, my mother texts me. She goes, you need to shave and get a haircut ASAP. And I explained to her, I was like, Mom, superstitious. Can't, can't get a haircut or shave until we lose. <laughs> so uh, I'm hoping I'm shaving after the Stag Bowl uh, on Saturday, next Saturday. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, uh, you know, Friday next Friday night could be an interesting night. We'll get to that in a second. Mickey, is that mustache uh, the normal look for you or no? No, it's the same thing going for me. I'm not. This is a little bit of a playoff mustache. As long as we keep winning, I'm going to keep it. But uh, just like Frank's mom, my mom wasn't too thrilled with it the first time she seen it. Frank, uh, with the ending, a name ending in I like mine, uh, with the name Frank, I know what you're going through. You're, my mother would tell me the same <laughs> thing if she saw it. So God bless you. And I'm 43, and she would still tell me this. So it's not going to get any better in life. <laughs> JB, why don't you ask him a football question? Uh, or we could go on like this all day. Well, I mean, the playoffs, you, you always hear about the quarterbacks, this and that and the other thing. You guys are going to be playing, a, you know, one of the, the best quarterbacks in the nation coming up this, you know, this weekend. But, I mean, what you guys have done as a, as a team defense is, is pretty unprecedented. Um, uh, only eight points allowed in, in three games. What, uh, what is working for you guys so well? And, and um, how, you know, looking back on Saturday's game, what was kind of the, the plan there and, and to, to shut down the triple option offense? And you certainly did that pretty well. Yeah. Um, Muhlenberg's defense is really tailored around playing unselfish, uh, doing your job, doing your 111th. 
Um, you know, this past Saturday, Salisbury had a very dynamic offense uh, and an offense we have never seen uh, this year or, you know, in any years, really. Um, you know, our defensive coordinator, Coach David, uh, dialed something up for the triple option. And it was a matter of everyone, you know, uh, doing their assignment. And uh, I think we did that to the best of our ability. And uh, we got to shut down a very high-powered offense to 176 yards and eight points. Yeah, I think kind of just buying into Coach David's scheme, it's really easy to play fast and hard for someone that you respect and love so much. Um, we know that our coaching staff is going to have the best scheme for us going in to every game. They're going to put us in the right position. It's whether we make the play or not. So just thriving off Muhlenberg's tenets of – flying to the ball, getting 11 hats there, and being physical all the time is kind of what led to our success against Salisbury. Mickey, you know, the, the history of Muhlenberg is essentially you guys as a team have had good records over the last five to six years, but there was a lack of respect for the Centennial Conference, part of which was caused by the fact that you guys play nine conference games, I believe, in most uh, seasons. And so who did they play? Who did they play would always come up, especially when pool C decisions had to be made along the way. Last year, Centennial Conference started to get some respect when Hopkins and you guys kind of duked it out in two separate brackets. But it seems like you guys almost came out with a chip on your shoulder to prove something more this year to guys like me who maybe didn't buy into it fully still. What was the mentality coming into this season concerning last year, especially in the, in the success you saw, he said? Uh, and, you know, how did it carry you guys forward to this point? Yeah, I think um, senior leadership comes into play here because our freshman year, we went 9-1, and one, losing to Hopkins, who eventually got the automatic bid in the CC. And um, we just felt like that wasn't enough, and we always wanted more. So um, Division three football giving us the at-large bid and um, giving us an opportunity to show t showcase our talent in the national playoffs. We wanted to make the most of every opportunity. So this year, like every other year, one of our first goals was to win the Centennial outright and to improve upon our position from last year. So going out and dominating teams like Johns Hopkins and Susquehanna and a very good Ursinus team, we're kind of on the, the forefront. And then from there, just taking every game one at a time, no matter who our opponent was, um, and just focusing on playing Muhlenberg sound football. Yeah, Mickey hit it on the head there. So what's it like for you guys now? I mean, you're in the middle of your final exams. I think we're interrupting you, uh, you know, studying bio and, and maybe like financial accounting or something. I'm sure is very, very exciting content compared to this. But, I mean, what's it, you know, what's, what's it like for, you know, you know, here you guys are. You got the biggest game of your career a couple of a uh, couple of days away, but you know you're still students. I think that's the beauty of Division Three, right? You you still gotta you know crack the books and um, and get the grades, especially at a school like Muhlenberg. What's this week been like for you guys? You know, kind of post uh, post Thanksgiving, you know, into finals and and uh, you know getting near to the the end of the football season. Uh, I think we, we we treat it like every other week, um, you know, to cracking down on books, going to meetings. I know this week's a little bit more for most people because you have to spend more than, you know, the average, you know, 12 to 24 hours a week on work. Uh, people are cramming work at night, but uh, the coaches did a very good job of uh, planning practice and meetings around our schedule, uh, giving us time to sleep a little bit and uh, focus on our studies. And I would also say, like, the beautiful thing about Muhlenberg is that you can do both. You can be a student athlete and – First and foremost, get those books done, but 
at the end of the day, there's not many opportunities to play in a Final Four, and we just want to get after it on every aspect. Um, we're using Muhlenberg kind of maybe our academic or athletic ability to get here and then just using it as a vehicle to reach our full potential. You know, an interesting thing developed this season, uh, obviously, or this postseason. Uh, you guys kind of were in the um, bracket of doom last year when it came to quarterfinal time, uh, and that uh, team called Mount Union uh, loomed. Uh, what was your reaction when you guys saw if you got through the quarterfinal this year, which obviously you couldn't take for granted because you had some great competition in front of you, but you were going to be facing off against a team other than Mount Union. We weren't sure exactly who it was at the time, but I mean, what was your reaction when you saw them lose? And, you know, let's go a step further. Now that you see Mount, or Mount Union lose to North Central, what does that tell you about this North Central team overall? Yeah, um, I can take this one. Um, anytime you beat a Mount Union, you know you have a very solid football program. Um, we've watched a lot of film on North Central already. Um, their offense is super impressive, and us being two defensive guys, we know we have a lot on the plate that we have to, to handle. But we're excited for the challenge, and that's kind of the reason why we come to Muhlenberg. We don't want to be in the games where we blow teams out. We want to be in the close games that matter the most. Yeah, also building off that, um, yeah, we treat it like every other week. Uh, any team in front of us, we're a very confident group of guys. Uh, you can put anyone out there, and we're, we're going to play to the best of our ability and, and make, you, make, you earn the, make you earn the win. Do you guys uh... – <laughs> <laughs> The dogs are treating it like any other week too, guys. Don't worry. Here we go. Yeah, she's, she's, just, she's barking at the guys fixing the yard. What are you going to do? Uh, all right. So Mickey and Frank, as you know, I think you, Mickey, you're from the Philadelphia area. Frank, you're from from New Jersey. Um, what do you what do you think about this whole Muhlenberg as a South region team? You guys are East Coast guys, right? You know, this we have the Philly special going on. I mean, when you know when people are talking about Muhlenberg as a South team, are you kind of like South of what? <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, most of my buddies went that that went Division three are playing in the MAC in the East in the East region. So, I mean, it is it's kind of confusing that we're a South team, but we we don't really care if we're North, South, East, or West. I mean, we're going to compete with the best of them. So, I mean, it is kind of odd that, to consider consider ourselves a South team, though. I would say. I mean, I don't know what Frank thinks about it. Yeah, I, I'm right on board with Mickey. Uh, I was definitely a little confused with the whole South region thing. I definitely you know look at us more of an East region team, but. You know, like Mickey said, in north, south, east, to west, you know, put put anyone in front of us, we're going to play it to the best of our ability, and uh, and that's that. The moment is big, no doubt here. I, you guys, uh, especially Frank, keep saying uh, that, you know, you treat it like any other week. But obviously this is a, a moment here uh, for Muhlenberg, uh, almost history uh, to a certain degree for any team in our Lifetime, not name out Union, Rowan, uh, Whitewater, or Mary Harden Baylor. To be to be honest with you, there's a chance to go to a national championship. Uh, is this surreal at all to you guys? I mean, at all? I I, I, I respect the fact that you say it's you know like any other week, but hey, you're talking to Frank and James here. Come on, uh, <laughs> it, what what is this moment? If you had to define it for what it probably means to Muhlenberg football, you know, going back and going forward, essentially. I mean, um, I think Muhlenberg is a program that's rich in tradition and history. Um, I mean, our, our senior class is the last class to get recruited by Duke Donnelly. And kind of 
one thing that Coach Millen says is he, he says always embrace the moment. And I think we're doing that to our fullest ability by taking it one game at a time. But we know deep down in our hearts, this game is being played for all the alumni that came before us that wasn't privileged enough to play in the Final Four game, whether we had the talent enough or not. Um, and of course, this senior class and the rest of the team, we play every game for Coach Duke Donnelly. Um, with his passing, it's always been kind of a staple for us to say a quick little prayer to him because we know he's watching over us and we want to make him proud. Yeah, you're good at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, what does dig, dig in mules mean to you, Frank? Because that's kind of the Twitter handle and it's something we've heard for years. What does that mean to you, Frank? Yeah, uh, digging mules was our uh, motto freshman year when I came in. And uh, like, I, like Mickey said, uh, me and him both got the privilege to play on the defensive side of ball as freshmen uh, under Duke. And, you know, dig in is really just, you know, I'm going to use the word dig in again, like digging deeper, uh, wanting more and, you know, put putting your foot back and, you know, really. Um, sorry, I just I drew a blank there. Uh, uh, if you want to. Yeah, so yeah. digging in for us. I mean, we do it when our back's against the wall and adversity kind of hits. Um, it means a lot of things. I think that's why it's kind of the staple of our program um, when you're tired and you're in that squat rack and you need a little bit extra motivation, you look right out from our, our facilities onto our field, you just dig in and you get it done. When the rubber hits the road, just finding a way to win at any cost or by any means necessary. Well, these guys are great, yeah. JB, uh, no doubt. And uh, yeah. we're, we're gonna be uh, digging to see uh, what's gonna happen here on Saturday. Uh, I will uh, hopefully uh, be there at Muhlenberg. I, I understand I will not be getting any chili from uh, Coach's wife, uh, so I'm going to be in suspense on that one. These uh, guys are going to eat it all, man. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but, uh, guys, uh, our uh, policy here, as I drop my microphone here, is uh, to give you guys the final word in so far as you get shout-outs. And, um, you, you know, we, we've never... Uh, actually, that's not true. One other time we've had this opportunity uh, with Brockport uh, a couple of years ago in the semifinal against uh, Mary Harden Baylor to uh, offer up semifinal bound uh, shout outs here. So, you know what? It's, the floor is yours for as long as you want to give shout outs. Mickey, go first, then Frank. Um, I mean, I guess first and foremost, the, the first shout out should go out to our coaching staff. Um, coach David, our defensive coordinator specifically, Coach Millen, our head coach, and everybody else who's worked really hard to get us here to this point. Um, I think we should also offer uh, a big thank you to the support we've re we're receiving on the other side of campus from an academic standard and kind of the support from our institution. And then lastly, I got two shout outs. One's to my head off offensive coordinator and head coach, Coach Michael Murphy at the Harford School and defensive coordinator, uh, Brian Martin from the Harford School. And then Coach Nolan, who's also an alumni at Muhlenberg College and got me here. So that's what I got. Yeah, I'm going to uh, continue off that. I definitely want to do a shout out to our coaching staff, uh, in particular, uh, Coach Millen, our head coach, uh, but uh, Coach Corey David and my defensive line coach, Coach uh, Jordan Orlovsky, uh, both, you know, shaped me into a phenomenal player this year. And I, and I thank them for all their all their guidance. Uh, second off would definitely be, you know, the support we receive on campus. Uh, a lot of the teachers are very on board with our program, uh, adjusting, uh, you know, schedules around ours and, and, and helping us through uh, finals week and work we have to get done. Uh, I would also like to do a shout out to uh, my family back at home, uh, my mother, Robin, my dad, Frank, my sister, Gianna, 
you know, since day one, you know, driving me around the practices, but buying me, you know, all the equipment I need and, and being there for me uh, truly means a lot. Uh, me too. My mom and my dad and my three brothers because I forgot to mention them. You, you got <laughs> to give their names, guys. Come on. What's the brothers' names? Uh, my mom, Christine Cobra, my dad, Timothy Cobra, and then my brothers, Timmy, uh, Christopher, and Francis. There you go. Well, guys, uh, I'm, I'm shocked awesome. there's no shout-outs to uh, Brock Rudder of uh, North Central. I mean, he, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I delivered that something this weekend, or, line, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, as Mickey said earlier, North Central's a very sound team uh, on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, shout-out to them for, for making it this far. And, uh, you know, shout-out to us for making it this far. It, it, it's going to be a dogfight on Saturday, and uh, I can't wait to play. Yeah, we're super excited for the challenge that North Central is going to present to us. Guys, good luck this weekend. Uh, it, you know, win, lose, or draw, this has been a success of a couple of years, uh, let alone a season uh, for you and a uh, career uh, for both of you. And so good luck, congratulations, and let's see where this goes. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. See you, guys. See ya. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Uh Muhlenberg and uh, those uh, defensive uh, guys, uh, very well spoken, even though uh, he blanked out for a half second, Frank did. Uh, he, he picked it up right where he left off, ultimately, and Mickey, a uh, good compliment to him. And they complimented each other on their team as well in terms of their gameplay. Mm -hmm. So here we go, JB, again, putting up the tail of the tape again for everybody to see. How do you rate this game? How do you pick this game? Yeah. Uh... The, I think the most interesting stats for me, Frank, is when you look at down at the very bottom of the point differential, um, it's pretty clear that you don't want to get into a shootout with North Central because any team that can put up over 50 you know, plus points is going to be tough. But then again, you look at the points against Muhlenberg, you know, with all these shutouts, um, you know, holding teams that, that were averaging 40 plus points or, or more going into, uh, into their uh, quarterfinals game. I mean, this defense can really lock things down. And, you know, North Central doesn't have a bad defense. I mean, they're averaging basically two touchdowns and a field goal uh, being allowed. So this just might be one of those games, Frank, where if the defense is sort of settle in, it may come down to the last couple of possessions or turnovers, which, interestingly enough, are kind of identical. Um, at this stage of the season, it looks like each team is averaging basically – you know, one uh, one per game as far as the, the loss, but they're collecting two. So something's going to have to give there. This is going to be a tough one to uh, tough one to predict. But I, you know, I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to say that defense uh, will win in, in the in the playoffs. And even though this uh, this quarterback rudder is just phenomenal, I mean. I can't believe no one's been talking about him for some kind of uh, pro opportunity, at least from what I, you know, at least what I've seen on social media. But I, I feel like you know the home field advantage, the, the strong defensive uh, you know, pressure that they'll generate, and this might be one of those things, Frank, that you know we talked about at the top. Maybe North Central hasn't seen a, you know defense as good as this before. They may not have seen anything like this in in the CCIW period. Um, you know. Certainly, Del Val uh, hung in there for a while, and we we said on our last show that this Muhlenberg team is, is probably a better defense than, than Del Val's. So I'll take the I'll take the Mules in a in a lower scoring game, kind of like uh, I like the score you threw out there earlier. I'm going to go with like a 28 to 24. There will be some offensive 
you know, plays being made. There's going to definitely be a few touchdowns. There's no way this is going to be like a 10 to 7 game, but I'll take 28 to 24 with the Mules hanging on at the end. I, uh, I think maybe North Central has seen a defense like this this season, and the team was Wheaton, and Wheaton beat them uh, ultimately. I, yeah. I, I think Wheaton does have a good defense. It just let that let them down ultimately in the first half of last week, and that's what really unleashed the beast in uh, St. John's uh, to take that 21 to seven lead at halftime that they uh, were basically just barely able to hold on to because of the extra point situation yeah. there. So. My thought is this, if I think that Wheaton's and Muhlenberg's defenses are on par with each other, then I have to give a slight edge, I think, to Muhlenberg in this situation. But as Rudder said, they learned a lot about themselves in that Wheaton game, the loss that they had this season. And, you know, I just think it's going to be a close game, lower scoring, even lower than you're thinking, but not as low as I predicted last week necessarily about the uh, Salisbury game for Muhlenberg. I... Uh, I, I just see, I think, probably the best pass rush coming that maybe North Central has seen next to Wheaton, or maybe it's even slightly better than Wheaton. And that pass rush will be key here. Will the rush game be able to get underway for North Central? They do lean on it more than we realize with 230 yards per game on the ground. But I just I, I have a funny feeling about digging mules and duke and everything else that you can't represent on a logan hansen chart uh you know those things mean something in the game of football they really do, yeah, they do. Yeah. and that passion that drive that connection that team spirit that they have is worth points how many i don't know but i'm going to say Muhlenberg wins this game 21 17 same distance, just a little bit lower on both sides of the ledger coming up. Interesting. All right. So we agree on the on the semifinals, uh, even though they are not clear-cut semifinals. I'm, very, I'm kind of surprised by this. I, I knew where I was going with this before the show started, but you know, I wanted to hear your reasoning to see if there was anything that was going to steer me, and you actually went in the same direction both times. So interesting there. Uh, Saturday, I'm going to be at Muhlenberg uh, doing some uh, pregame and halftime uh, and postgame stand-up work uh, from there. We're not going to do an official live show, but we're going to do some work, uh, get some Twitter video out there as uh, we normally do as well. And uh, the games are available on ESPN3, don't forget. Uh, this game is kicking off and they have at noon. And they have start, yeah, staggered start times, finally. I mean, so uh, the Muhlenberg uh, North Central game will be at noon, and then I believe the Whitewater Johnny's game will be at 3 Eastern, basically 2, uh, two Central. So uh, you'll uh, be able to kind of focus in on this game. Uh, again, we'll have coverage for you uh, that you won't find on ESPN3. They do a great job, but obviously this is not their home uh, in terms of Division Three. So you'll want to tune into social media or even after the games to see what we posted. If there were any questionable plays or touchdowns you wanted to see again, we'll try to post some stuff up there so you can see them. JB, uh, that's it for now. Uh, we will not have a live prediction show because we do the predictions here. Uh, we will uh, talk to you folks on the other side of the weekend, essentially. And uh, stay tuned because In the Huddle does not end yet. Just because we put out a tweet saying we're closing up for uh, Season 12 doesn't mean we're closed yet. We're not. And uh, yep. we'll see you next week in some form as I, I head down to Shenandoah, Texas for the second year. The last year, the Stag Bowl is down there. Thanks, folks.